the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed in the program are not necessarily those of this radio station or its sponsors and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. You should always consult the appropriate advisor before making any financial decision. All rights reserved. AM 1220 KDOW presents Money 2.0. Money 2.0. Now, shedding light on your portfolio and helping you make it grow. Here's certified financial planner and Money 2.0 host, Chad Burton. Welcome back into Money 2.0. Or welcome into Money 2.0. I'm your host, Chad Burton, certified financial planner. See, it feels like I do the show every day. That's why it feels like I'm always just welcoming you back in. Um, if you want to meet Rob Black, he's the morning show host, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. on this station, and myself. We got a chance to do that this weekend. We're going to be at the DoubleTree by Hilton at in Burlingame, right by the airport, all day long on Saturday. So we've got 9 a.m. to noon wealth management. It's all about once you've built up a portfolio and you've got wealth, how do you manage it? How do you create income at retirement? And how do you pass it along to your heirs? And uh, from one to four, we've got money 101. So we're kind of doing the wealth in the morning, the wealth building in the afternoon. But at the event, and by the way, to sign up for that, just go to chadburton.com. That's chadburton.com and uh, sign up for that. And at the event, like I said, I cover in the morning how to manage your wealth, how to allocate correctly, which accounts to draw from first, how to peel off your gains consistently. So you're always rebalancing your portfolio and keeping a certain amount in stocks, bonds, commodities, and safe money. The whole idea is really having enough to live comfortably forever and hopefully leaving a large amount to your heirs as well. And one of our speakers at the event, my favorite estate planning attorney, Michelle Lerman, is joining me on the line right now. So we're going to talk a little about estate planning and what that means. Michelle, how are you? I'm good, Chad. Thanks. Good, good. Um, so Michelle Lerman estate planning specialist with Lerman Law. And, you know, let's let's talk about really one of the first steps in estate planning and wealth management. And that's really to pick the right person to help draft these documents because you might have an estate plan in your head. But you've got to get it down on paper. You've got to get it down on a legal document. So if people are looking for an attorney, you know, what questions should they ask so they don't end up with a guy that, you know, is an attorney like, you ever seen Breaking Bad? You've ever seen the attorney Saul on Breaking Bad? Right. <laughs> you don't want that guy to do your right. estate plan, right? Exactly. So what <laughs> what should you what should you ask some people if you're interviewing them to be at your estate planning attorney? The first question I would ask the attorney is what percentage of your law practice is estate planning, trusts, and probate? Because and, you really want to engage a true expert that understands the intricacies, the complexity of estate planning. Uh, and also that has the practical experience of handling 
administration after someone passes away. So ideally, you want someone who teaches estate planning to other lawyers. You want a leader in the field. You want an attorney that's focused 100% on estate planning because some attorneys, they take on all sorts of cases. They might be handling traffic tickets. They might be handling personal injury. You really want to ask the lawyer what percentage of your practice is estate planning, trust, and probate, and that's the kind of lawyer that you want to, to draft your plan. Right. Now, in my business, we've got the CFP, a Certified Financial Planner Practitioner designation, and we have a certain amount of continuing education hours to keep up on. So in the terms of being an estate planning attorney that's that's kind of certified in that area, how how do you keep up on that? Right. So in estate planning, a lawyer can be certified as a certified specialist in trusts and estates by the state bar. The same bar that certifies lawyers to be a lawyer will certify an attorney in this field as a certified specialist. And Chad, similar to what you're saying for a certified financial planner, this is a designation that you have to apply to the state bar to get. There's a six-hour exam to take. You can't even apply for the designation until you've handled a certain requisite number of matters, a certain number of tax matters, if you've had a certain number of years of experience. And similar to what you're describing, there's also additional continuing education requirement. So look for a certified specialist. And you're actually not allowed to use that term, certified specialist, unless you're really certified by the State Bar of California, the Board of Legal Specialization. Right, or people in black suits will break into your office and take all your files, right? Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. Well, that's the problem is that a lot you're not required to be a certified specialist. Yeah. So not all lawyers that do estate planning are certified specialists. So that's the, you know, that's probably the second question after you find out what percentage of their practice is estate planning, you'd want to ask, well, are you a certified specialist by the California State Bar of Legal Specialization? Gotcha. Okay. So now with that said, what's you know, you go an estate plan really affects everybody. If you've got some assets, especially if you have some children, How simple can an estate plan be, and then how complicated can it be? An estate plan can be really simple or it can be really complicated, and there's a big variety of needs. So let's say, for example, someone didn't own any real property. They basically have a checking account. They don't own their own home. They have kids. Um, The assets are well under $100,000, let us just say. That person, and let's say the person is relatively young, that person doesn't even necessarily need to spend any money on an attorney or even any of these software do-it-yourself programs because California actually has a statutory will form. And if you Google California statutory will form, there's instructions, and that's a very simple, straightforward plan. You can go to your physician and or click the... um, the uh, California Medical Association has health care directives. Everybody should have a health care directive. So that's on the really simple end. Most people, once you own your own home, most people, you're going to want to have a living trust rather than a will. And people always ask me, well, what's the difference? When do you need a living trust? When do you need a will? Well, the living trust is designed to be very simple, and yet it's an instruction manual so that there isn't a court process if you're incapacitated, meaning you can't handle your own affairs, or upon your demise. 
So that gotcha. instruction manual can actually save a lot of hassle, time, and money in avoiding what is often termed probate. Yeah, okay, so that's an estate plan. That's that's kind of the free version of it, but that doesn't get around the probate costs. So The living trust does, but the free version of just a will doesn't. So the main right. difference between a will and a trust is generally if you own real property, it would probably be better to put that real property in a living trust so that you avoid probate. So let me give you a scenario here. Here's, here's a common theme in the Bay Area because housing prices are so high um, and income is so high, so it kind of constantly you know, goes right into the housing prices. You get married couple, mid-30s, they've got one child. Say they got a house that's a million and a half, but they owe, say, 700000 on it. Right. Right. And a couple of retirement accounts, a couple of checking accounts here and there. They both pass away in an accident. So they're, they're trying to, you know, the, the estate needs to be probated, go to the kids. What's the cost of probate on a couple like that if they don't have a living trust? Well, California actually has a statute. California has statutes for everything, like most states, that says how much it's going to cost to put that million and a half uh, house through probate, and that schedule doesn't take into account the loan. So That's what I don't have right the figure offhand, <laughs> but um, it's basically 4% of the first 100000 that you're putting through probate, 3% of the next 100000 2% of the next 100000 of gross value. So as you can see, it adds up pretty quickly. You're probably, boy, looking at over $15,000. Maybe even more than that. It could be over, you know, 20000 just for those statutory fees. And then when someone goes to sell the house, the attorney handling it can apply to court and even get additional fees because those fees are called extraordinary fees. And when there's a sale of real property, the court can award extraordinary fees in addition. So Yes. So people people think they don't have a large estate because they they owe money. Right. But it's based on the gross estate, not the net. So that's right. one thing that people really need to focus on because California is very expensive to probate. It's a different conversation in the state of Washington where we have right. another office. Exactly. So, exactly. And it's so simple to form a living trust. You're probably looking at somewhere anywhere from 2000 2500 to 5000 is probably the typical range and it's just much less expensive to create that trust put that million and a half dollar house into the trust and then you can avoid all of the hassles with going to court and the delay and all of that so much right. simpler and much less expensive. It's easier to spell out how you want things to have happen when you pass away. By the way, if you want to get your calls in there, 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220 if you want to get your calls in there, if you have an estate planning question. Now, what are some of the biggest, besides the one that you and I talked about earlier today on a client of mine mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that we pointed out, what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see in plans that have been drafted by other attorneys? Right. I see that retirement accounts aren't adequately provided for in an estate plan because in your scenario, Chad, where you mentioned the million and a half dollar house, a big loan against it, and some retirement accounts. So we talked about that couple would want to have a living trust because that's how you avoid the expensive court proceeding. And in addition, they'd want to have a will because that's how they appoint a conservator for their child but what about their retirement accounts? And very often, it's just totally neglected. Well, what about it? And I've seen situations where a deceased spouse 
is named uh, on the beneficiary form, and then the person passes away, and that basically means there's no no one named because no one is living. So, and I've also seen circumstances where people name their living trust as the beneficiary, or they say my heirs, or they say my estate. So I'd say not adequately dealing with all of the assets. People think, oh, we'll just print out a sheet of paper, and that is our living trust. But it's right. so much more than that. You really want someone looking at the whole big picture. Right. You or your financial advisor has to change the beneficiaries on the retirement accounts. You've got to submit the form to the 401k company and make sure you document that they've received it, those types of things. Exactly. Now, one of the big hangups that people have, and we have a couple minutes left, is after they die, they don't have, and I'm seeing this all the time, they don't really have a natural person, a friend, a relative that they trust anymore to handle their affairs either because people are older when they're doing their estate planning and their friends have passed or they've moved away or they just don't have anybody that they trust with money. So how do people, how should people choose a trustee or an executor? Right. So the trustee is the person that you name in your instruction manual. That's really all a trust is, is an instruction manual, the person to take over. So who's going to take over if you don't have someone, the natural person to do it? And that's a really common problem. And so often people say, oh, I haven't done my estate planning because I don't have anyone to name. And that is the wrong, that for sure is the wrong answer. So a professional can do this. There are people that are licensed, bonded. They do this for a living. This is their profession. You meet them in advance. So that might be a great option. Uh, it's called a professional fiduciary. If you have right. a banking relationship with someone, that also might be a great option to name a bank. But I would caution you that when you name a professional or you name a bank, you want to make sure that you give someone the power to remove, remove that professional or remove that bank and appoint a substitute bank because you just certainly don't want to be stuck with something that just isn't working out. Yeah, and you know my opinion on that. I'd, I'd like to, for people, unless they already have a huge relationship with the bank already, I would avoid banks altogether. I like the professional fiduciaries, the, the professional trustees mm-hmm. that allow you know people to choose who's the trustee and who's the investment manager because both change. Right. You know, I right. mean, Their right. current investment advisor might not be there in 10 years, and they might not like the, the trustee 10 years from now. So right. a lot of and, flexibility in the right. document. And that's a good point because what people don't realize is that if – for example, if New Focus Financial were managing your assets and if you appoint, you know, pick any bank as the trustee, that bank is going to want to take custody and manage those accounts. So you're going to lose um, your relationship with your trusted wealth advisor and that you may not want that bank managing your money because you're very happy with your current manager. So that's where a professional trustee in that example would be a much better choice. All right. Michelle, thanks a lot for joining us. I appreciate it. Sure. If uh, people want to get a hold of you for some info on how to pick or, you know, trustees, how to questions to ask, what's the best number to call you at? Yeah. um, 1-800-5-LERMAN, L-E-R-M-A-N, 1-800-5-LERMAN, L-E-R-M-A-N. And I actually have an article – uh, seven critical questions you must ask when choosing an estate planning attorney, and I'd love to share that and get the word out. So feel free to also uh, email me, michelle at lermanlaw.com.
All right, and I'll repeat that again after the break. Michelle, thanks for joining us. We'll see you on Saturday, 9 a.m. at the Doubletree and Burling game. Want to get your calls in there, 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. We'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back. This is Money 2.0 on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back into Money 2.0. I'm your host, Chad Burton, Certified Financial Planner. Hope to see you on Saturday, this coming Saturday, Doubletree, Burling game. Wealth Management, 9 to noon, Money 101, 1 to 4. Sign up at chadburton.com or newfocusfinancial.com or robblack.com. You can sign up at all those places. And uh, a little bit about the markets today. I just noticing Microsoft uh, jumping again after hours, um, or today even, up three and a half, almost 3.6%. So see, what is it? It's five-year high is up at just over 32 so over the last several years, market hasn't liked the stock to be up over 30, but um, making gains in certain areas that the market thought was a little bit lost. Um, also, obviously, Netflix jumping after the bell and beating expectations there. S&P up a half a percent today, Dow up 0.4%, NASDAQ up 0.86%. Now, let's move on to some retirement planning issues and some timely issues. Hopefully you all finished your tax returns last week, last Monday, right? So if you're retired or you're close to retirement especially, what should you be doing now that you've got this tax return in your possession? Number one, if you have a financial advisor, you should be sending it to them right away so they can look at certain items, go through the certain schedules on the 1040, Look at your itemized deductions, making sure financial planning projections are correct in terms of how much taxes that you should pay. What are the certain things you should look for your financial advisor should look for, though? Number one, what was your adjusted gross income, your modified adjusted gross income last year? And the easiest way to look at what's close is your adjusted gross income, the bottom number on the front page of your 1040, because if that number is close to or over $250,000, you're likely going to get hit if you're expecting the same numbers going into 2013. You're likely going to get hit with that extra 3.8% Obama tax um, or the Affordable Care Act tax, Obamacare tax, whatever you want to call it, Medicare surcharge tax on the lower of your income or your net investment income. So if you're retired, that's going to be your net investment income. So you need to know if that tax is going to kick in, and if so, was that calculated in your quarterly estimated payments? You also need to find out what is your marginal tax bracket, and what does that mean? Because a tax bracket isn't just a flat tax. It's a graduated scale. As I go through the event on Saturday, I show people, and when I, when I talk about where they should pull money from first, I go through the tax situation with them in terms of how the marginal bracket works because you can have – the first, you know, typically fifteen to twenty thousand per person of income is tax free because of your even just your standard deduction or the average person's itemized deductions. Then a married couple can have another seventy thousand or so of taxable income and only be at a fifteen percent bracket. So there's a zero percent. It's a graduated scale. Your marginal bracket. What that means is the next dollar of taxable income that you receive. What will that dollar be taxed at? And you need to know that when you're retired because you need to be maxing out that 15% marginal bracket or even the existing bracket that you're in. Because what a lot of people do is they put off to the last minute from drawing on their retirement accounts, their IRAs, their 401ks, 403bs. They put it off because they say it's taxable income. I don't want to take it yet. Then they hit 70 and a half and they're forced to pull 
a certain amount of money out. And, well, then they lose control of their tax bracket because they didn't do anything the first several years of retirement. So from 65 to 70 and a half, you need to know your marginal bracket. Should you be pulling a little bit out? And if you don't need to spend it, should you be converting it to a Roth IRA? That's another question that you need to look at your tax return and ask. Another one, if you are with a fee-based financial planner, did you remember to deduct your management fees on your Schedule A? Did you remember to deduct? It's above the line deduction, so did you give those numbers? Did you remember to do that? And is there a way to maximize that based on how your fees are being charged? Also, look at your Schedule A and look at your mortgage interest deduction. And here's what I'm finding is that people are, you know, they, they refinance the first time the rates were low. Um, and they're getting to the point in their mortgage, they're retired. They maybe only have about 130,000 left on their mortgage, 150,000. And they're not really getting much mortgage interest deduction anymore. And so you might want to take the gains on your portfolios, especially on the bond side, because bonds aren't paying much anymore. And, just pay off the loan. You might That might work out in your scenario if you can continue to itemize your deductions. And many people in California can continue to itemize their deductions if they do that. That's retired people. Talk a little bit more about it after the break. If you want to get your calls in there, 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. We'll be right back. This is Money 2.0 on AM 1220 KDOW. I say we Welcome back into Money 2.0. If you want to get your calls in there, if you have a money question, I'd love to hear from you. 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. And before the break, I was talking about looking at your tax return now that you have it done. Some of the things that you need to do, such as get it to your investment advisor or your financial planner if you have one, and just review what's on the return. And especially... Especially if you're a conservative investor in retirement and you've got most of your, you know, good portion, let's say 60% or more, let's say, you know, even really 50% or more, and you're sitting on bonds and CDs that are paying very, very little. I mean, they're paying 70% less than what they were before, you know, 2007, before this Federal Reserve situation took place where they're buying bonds, keeping rates low. And your bond funds have gone up like stocks. And you're sitting there and you say, okay, I've got a mortgage that's 150 grand. I'm way into the amortization schedule. I could either refinance it and pay less in interest or I could just pay it off. Now, in the past, I would say it's silly to pay off your home because you could make more money even in CDs or bonds. We're not there anymore. So people that are in retirement or close to retirement that are sitting on a lot of cash, they're not they have plenty of stocks, or at least they feel like they do. Um, some, t- and you can still itemize your deductions if you pay off your mortgage, because a lot of people in California can, because of the high income tax, property taxes, and things like that. If you can still itemize your deductions, so you can look at your Schedule A and say, okay, if my mortgage interest wasn't there, is my itemized deductions greater than the standard deduction? That's the question that you have to ask. And you know, you should ask that of your tax advisor, your enrolled agent, CPA, whoever. Now, you're probably not going to get a hold of them this week or next. They're on vacation trying to recover. But this is something to consider because we've got bonds paying extremely low interest rates. 
if you're in low duration bond funds, and hopefully you've adjusted that because a lot of people were in a lot of high yield and a lot of email questions that I've received from people out there that have invested in these leveraged ETFs that they're getting a municipal bond fund paying over 6 7%, it's leveraged. That means if interest rates start to increase or credit quality goes down, you can lose money very quickly. And so part of looking at your overall portfolio is peeling the gains and replenishing them. If you have gains in your bond portfolio and you don't want to put it into stocks necessarily and you've got a low mortgage that doesn't pay a lot of interest, then it might be wise to pay it off. Another thing to look at on your tax returns if you're dealing with managing your wealth, you've got taxable accounts and you've got international funds or ETFs that you're investing in. Did you remember to claim the foreign tax paid? This is something that people forget to do as well. When you invest in international funds, that especially they pay dividends, when those dividends are paid, automatically the country from where they're coming from withholds a foreign tax. And then you get what's left over. And what happens is that foreign tax that you pay is a direct offset of the federal tax if you claim it the right way on your tax return. So are you doing that properly? And also... How's your overall income situation set up? Do you probably have income coming from taxable accounts, retirement accounts, whatever it may be? And what I want to avoid when I retire is having to pay quarterly taxes. I don't want to have to calculate and you know send a check. I want to be on vacation. I want to be with my grandkids. I want to be doing what I want to do and not have to worry about deadlines. And so make sure you're withholding the right way. So if you have placed taxes or income from various accounts, you should be looking at you know what the withholding is automatically from your IRAs and other retirement accounts to try to have the withholding done so you don't have to worry about doing that and uh, set it up so you get you know a little bit of a refund each year. If you're getting large refunds each year, it means you're withholding too much and that just is silly. It means you're like you know letting Uncle Sam sit on your money and earn interest on it. So keep an eye on that. If you want to get your calls on the area, 800 1220 That's 800-516-1220. And uh, coming up, you know, there's a couple things. A lot of talk still this last week on emerging markets and international investing. Um, last week I had uh, the manager from Scout International Investments on. And I'm going to talk about, since today's show is really more geared towards managing the wealth, how do people that, that have a larger portfolio, how should they look at international investing? How does it fit into the overall portfolio? And here's what I want to talk about, especially you want to look at this. Callan periodic table of investments, I tell people to look at it. International investing is a three- to five-year game. It's not a short-term gain. If you're going to get shaken out of an investment with, because of one quarter worth of results, you're, you're doing it wrong. So I'll talk a little bit about that and having a, the right view and the right location for your international investments. If you want to get your calls in the area, 800-516-1220, 800-516-1220. We'll be right back. This is Money 2.0 on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back into Money 2.0. I am your host, Chad Burton, Certified Financial Planner. If you want to get your calls on the air, 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. If you're too shy to email me, just go to newfocusfinancial.com, newfocusfinancial.com, or email me, chad at chadburton.com, to submit your questions. And right now, we've got Roseanne from Menlo Park on the line. Hi, Roseanne. Yeah. Uh I was an independent contractor for many, many years and no deductions, et cetera. 
uh, and no employees. I'm a, just me, myself, and I uh, with a very high income. So my CPA said, why don't you incorporate under subchapter F? And I yep. did that. Now I realize there's all there's this large balance for the corporation at the end of the year. What can I do with that? Does that just stay there until I retire? Um, Are you talking about a large balance in a bank account? Right, in for the corporation. Okay. Did you open up any kind of a individual solo 401k, anything like that? Well, I had the SEP IRA, but that okay. you know I'm getting uh, maybe a third of. Uh, passed through to me as income, W-2, et cetera, and the taxes were paid out of that just fine, but the corporation has a huge balance in its account. Um, okay. Yep. The next step that you need to do, because a SEP IRA, were you able to get 49000 into this SEP IRA? Uh, yes, because I sold my home last year, so I, I had yeah. Okay. Let me ask you this, Roseanne. What's your net business income? About three sixty a year. Okay. And how old are you? 53. Okay. You are perfect for what's called a defined benefit plan. So what you need to do, and you can email me. I'll send you to a firm that sets it up and runs the numbers. A defined benefit plan is basically you're going to create your own pension plan where you create a plan that just like, you know, let's say Xerox used to do with their employees, Johnson, Johnson, whoever. This is at age 65, you're going to pay yourself, you know, X number of dollars until the day you die. So what it does is it creates a funding liability for the corporation where you could probably get another 100 a year put away pre-tax into a defined benefit plan. Okay, from the and that, that should save you about 50 grand a year in extra taxes by doing yeah. something like that. Yeah. And that's the whole point of the 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 S corp plan to do those types of plans because what you get into the defined benefit plan, you also avoid paying um, you know, self-employment tax on it. Uh, you're being a, a little bit aggressive by taking a third as as W two and the rest as distribution. That's that's a little bit aggressive, but um, you know you can work that's with it. So that's what you want to look at in addition to uh, the plan. Now, anything that's left over into the uh, the business account over and above that, it's an S corp. You've already paid taxes on it, right? Okay. So you can turn around and then invest that. Um, however you want to invest it. The first step, though, is before you do anything with that cash that's in the company is to look at creating a defined benefit plan, especially if you don't have any employees. It's, I mean, right, you're the right. perfect person for it where, right. again, you could get away another 100000 or more pre-tax. And it's mm-hmm. totally legal, totally legit. You just want to commit to you know, doing at least you know, three or four years. You plan on operating your business and having pretty decent income for the next you know, three to five years? Uh, yes, for at least the next 10 years. Okay. Well, there you go. Okay. So, um, yeah, what you need, the per, the people that create the plan are called, uh, third party administrators or TPAs. It's basically a group of actuaries that runs the numbers per the IRS to create the plan document. Um, you're typically looking at about, you know, 2,500 bucks to create the plan and about 1,500 bucks a year, somewhere around in there to, 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 you know, manage the plan. Mm-hmm. Then you can choose whatever investment advisor or firm you want to do to create the account that you invest in. You can invest in any, you know, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, whatever. And, you know, that's a very small price to play, pay for the huge tax deduction that I just told you about. Right. right. Okay. Thanks. All right. Thanks for the call. If you want to get your calls in there, 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. 
So that's the kind of stuff that I like to do, um, where I can find huge amount of tax savings like that. Um, that is the reason why once you get income and you're, you know, self-employed, no employees and things like that, that's when you start incorporating. When you start to not be able to maximize your retirement savings like you want to. In other words, the, the best thing that you can do for most people that are self-employed and getting paid by a 1099 um, or contract work and not W-2 work is to do an individual 401k. And you can max that thing out at about you know 49 grand a year. But if you start wanting to save more, you do things like incorporating and you do things like um, you know defined benefit plans and other things like that. Again, if you want to get your calls in the area, 800 516 800-516-1220. Now, what I'm going to talk about next is some of the key steps to take with your retirement portfolio right now. And, you know, you could be 45 and you've had huge on Apple and Google options and you're going to start living off of your wealth. It's really just a matter of, you know, you're still dealing with a retirement portfolio. And what are some of the key things that you need to look at right now? So I'm going to talk about you know, things like how much safe money do you have? How much safe money do you spend? How much did you draw from your portfolio? Have you re- you've reviewed your bond portfolio? Do you have sources of guaranteed income? Things like that. So I'll go through that process with you of how you should be looking at your income, your expenses, and your pie chart of your investments coming back after the break. If you want to get your calls in there, well, first of all, don't forget, sign up for the event that we've got going on this Saturday, 9 a.m. to noon, Wealth Management Retirement Planning, all about these kind of issues, and 1 to 4, how to build wealth, how to get into the game of investing, and how to do it the right way. Sign up at chadburton.com. That's chadburton.com. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Money 2.0. On AM 1220, KDOW. Welcome back into Money 2.0. I've got a quick email question from Liz. And Liz is going into retirement wondering how to set up withdrawals from her portfolio. Do you just set up systematic withdrawals from your portfolio like when you dollar cost average into your portfolio? And the answer to that, Liz, is no. You don't do that. What I like to do, and you can watch a version on the website, you can come to the event on Saturday, is you got to be smarter, especially in today's you know, economic situation where you have such low interest rates, where if you dollar cost average out, you're always selling something at a loss, especially if interest rates start to increase. So what I like to do is have a certain amount of safe money, and then I like to set it up so that my dividends and interest are automatically paying to my checking account, and then when I have quarters where the in- the increase in value is high, like this last quarter, that's when you peel gains to replenish what you spend. So some of the key steps to take with your retirement portfolio right now is number one, what were your expenses like last year? And number two, how much did you draw from your portfolio? And number three, how much safe money do you have? Because you've got to calculate your expenses, figure out how much you withdrew from your portfolio. You need three years worth of portfolio draws in safe money. At retirement. And by safe money, I mean either insured by the government or the FDIC or the credit union. Super, super safe. There's no risk at loss at all. That's what gets you through downtimes because if you would have had that as a retired person in 2007, you would have had cash to draw from and dividends and interest to draw from to get you through back to 2012 when the market actually recovered. You need that key, that cash is king in retirement. 
You can't time the market perfectly. Nobody can. So you've got to have that three years worth of safe money. Also, another key point right now is have you reviewed your bond portfolio? Is your bond portfolio too aggressive? Did you invest in a lot of high-yield bond funds that have done really, really well, giving you stock-like returns, but now the income is low and the interest rate sensitivity is very, very high? Are you in muni bond and high-yield bond funds that are paying over 5%? The, the risk is probably pretty darn high. So you have to review that piece of your portfolio and potentially change where you're investing. Um, if you're in long-term government bond funds inside your 401ks and things like that, you might want to short uh, – not short, but to change the duration, go to more of the intermediate or short-term funds inside. That's the thing. That's the biggest weakness I see with 401ks, guys, is when you get close to retirement and you're looking for bonds and fixed income inside your 401ks, the choices are typically horrible. They typically have like a, a long-term government bond and a total index type of a bond fund, and that's not really what you want right now. You want a little smarter approach. So if you're over 55 and you have a large 401k, most companies' plans allow you to roll a portion of your 401k into an IRA. That way you can do whatever you want with it. Pick whatever funds you want, have it managed, whatever it may be. So look for an in-service rollover. Call up your 401k company. Can I do an in-service IRA rollover? That means you continue to work for them, but you roll part of it out. Also, look at your portfolio and say, if we have a quick 20% correction, if the European issue all of a sudden, you know, we see a, a Spanish or Italian bank fail, and then, you know, like Cyprus talking about going into accounts and actually pulling money out of them to pay for it. And we get this kind of quick 20% correction that comes every, uh, you know, three to five years. What's your plan to get through the trough and recovery? Are you just going to panic out at the bottom and sell like you did in 2008 or 9? Or do you have enough income coming from your portfolio and enough safe money to get through it so you can rebalance and reallocate into the right positions and not sell out and panic either on the upside or the downside? What's your plan too to adjust for inflation? You've got to have enough money so that if you earn a decent rate of return, you can increase your withdrawals from your portfolio each and every year to adjust for inflation. Now, in real life, that doesn't happen. In real life, we consistently review expenses, what people are spending out of their portfolio. And usually what happens is you pretty much don't need an increase for a year or two, but year three, four comes along and the price of groceries, the price of your travel, the gas you put in your RV, it starts to catch up with you. So you need to start drawing a little bit more to adjust for inflation. It's kind of like two to three years it gets adjusted upward. How, how do you have a plan to do that? Because you need to say, here's my expenses. Here is my returns. And is it a good time or a bad time to adjust for inflation? You've got to have those types of things. Learn about those issues more. Go to New Focus Financial to sign up for the event this Saturday. Hope to see you there. Please tell a friend about the show. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter. Just go to newfocusfinancial.com to connect with us in those areas. Have a great evening, everyone. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.